In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone, Van Helsink. And with me somewhere across the pond is my co-host, the Ghost Finder General, Mr. Richard Felix. Richard, Richard, Richard. And no Richard. Okay, uh, Eric, you going to try uh, calling him on that other line, please? Yeah, I will. Okay. So, anyways, we have a, a great show for for you tonight. We are going to be talking with a great, uh, well, a great topic: uh, demon dogs, hellhounds, and all that cool stuff. So, um, without further ado, I guess uh, do we have uh, Mr. Simon on the line? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Hi there, I'm here. Hello. We've got Hi, him, Ron. Ron. Yes, I'm here. I can't. Simon, are you there? I'm I'm here. Can you hear me? Barely. I you can know, hear with you. With all this technology, you think we'd have it down nailed, but uh, it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> this is my first time on Skype, so I'm a newbie. Okay, uh, your volume's a little low, but uh, I can't hear you. We're still trying to get a hold of Richard because evidently Richard is at some Diamond Star Hotel or something and doing something with both ghosts, I'm sure. Oh, okay. But uh, we're tracking him down. But anyways, uh, Simon, uh, I understand that you are an expert on demon hound, hell hounds, and all those nasty uh, canines. Yeah, that's true. I've been doing research in the area for, well, quite a long time now, maybe 10 to 20 years. And uh, my interest started with a personal experience of my own as a child. Really? Yeah. Um, I was about four or five years old, and uh, I was sleeping at home in my bed one night. And I woke up and sat up in bed and heard the sound of uh, kind of running feet. And I looked up along the landing and saw a giant kind of dog-like creature uh, with, with big yellow eyes running towards me. And I was obviously sort of terrified and couldn't move, tried to scream out. And just as the dog got to the, the doorway and I thought it was about to get me, completely vanished. 
And then I was able to scream and my parents came in to reassure me. So that, that was uh, where my interest stems from. Wow. I mean, I have always been interested. I guess ever since I saw uh, Razor, what's his name, uh, Rathbone there, uh, Basil Rathbone and the uh, Hounds of Baskerville, I've always been intrigued by uh, hell hounds and demon hounds. In fact, in my new book, I, I, I've written uh, several entries about them. Uh, one of it was, uh, and perhaps you can let me know, because both of these uh, cases do come from the U.K., one is about a couple of uh, churches that were attacked by uh, demon dogs. Yes. Um, yeah, there were um, a couple of famous cases from 1577, I believe the year was. Um, one was in Bungie, uh, one was in a town called Blythburgh in Suffolk in England. Um, they might be the ones that you're referring to. I, I believe they both were attacked on the same day. In fact, if I understand if you go in the church, you can still see the scratches on the door from the, the hound. That's correct. Um, I've actually visited the two churches myself. Um, the story goes that it was uh, Sunday morning during a big thunderstorm, and um, a church service was going on, and suddenly um, a big black dog appeared in the church in Bungay and uh, ran through the congregation, and a couple of the um, parishioners were killed, and then the dog went a few miles down the road to another church service in Blytheborough, and again, um, a couple of uh, the parishioners were allegedly killed, and uh, the dog was there seeming to frighten the residents. Now, that's a very kind of, they're two of the most famous stories of, of the, the black dog in England. And even today, uh, the town of Bungie has um, the black dog as one of its emblems. However, um, there's a recent book that's come out that suggested that perhaps there wasn't much truth uh, behind the actual accounts. It was just written to remind people to be scared of the devil and that they should behave themselves uh, and be good to each other. Interesting. But I, I, I seem to believe that there is, I mean, for instance, I know that they, there are the weather vanes that have the demon hound riding lightning uh, in one of the towns. And, and there are, as I mentioned, you can still see the scratches on the doors of the church where supposedly the demon hound attacked them. I mean, what is your thought? Is, is it a hoax or, or is perhaps there's some truth to this? Um, I'm not so sure about how true the, the two accounts from 1577 are, but okay. certainly, although there's lots of folklore associated with demon dogs, hellhounds, black dogs, as they're called, right. even, to the, even to this day, people are still reporting them. I, I still um, keep getting reports uh, coming through via my website. And so even today, people are still having these experiences. And in most of the cases... These people have never heard of the legend, which makes it even more interesting, the fact that they've never heard about it. So they're not expecting to see any giant dog-like creatures. Right. And speaking of your website, what is your website, Simon? Uh, my website, it's uh, www.blackshuck, that's S-H-U-C-K, mm -hmm. info. But if you type Simon Sherwood and black dogs into Google, it should come up. Right. And, and that's simply amazing. Uh... So, I mean, that's when you first had this experience, uh, did, you, did you really start looking at it at that time, or was it many years later that you really got into it? Um, I guess at the time wasn't very old, only maybe about four or five years old. My parents just said, well, 
it was reflections of car headlights or it was a cat looking through the window. Mm -hmm. But a number, of, a number of years later, I'd be about nine or ten years old, I was reading in a local newspaper and there was a case of a poltergeist. And there was a young couple uh, living in a house with a small baby and their objects being thrown at the baby and um, the husband, the father in the house, he reported that at one stage a large black dog had appeared and ran at him and then suddenly vanished into thin air. And uh, my, my own father remembers me going up to him with the newspaper and saying, look, Dad, someone else has seen this black dog. And from then on, he sort of took me seriously. And that's when I remember as a, as a child coming home from school and going to the library and reading all the books about ghosts and hauntings. So that's when I started to really get interested in it. And I've kind of been looking into it and researching it ever since. Now, I, I also know of another case, and I believe uh, this is, is also in the, the UK. It's, it's in my new book, Ghost of Day. And it's uh, Buckfastley, Buck I guess it's called. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that case, I think. Yeah, July 5th, uh, 1677. Yeah, it was uh, actually uh, Squire Richard uh, Campbell who... Um, who died, and then they, they interned him, and when they did, uh, they were, the town became haunted by a pack of uh, demon dogs running across the moors. Yes, I've, I've heard of that case, and I, I've, I've visited the, uh, the churchyard where his grave is. That, that is quite a well-known um, uh, account. There are other legends. There's an earlier one, I think, from 1107 in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles, that reports uh, a series of ghostly huntsmen um, running through the sky, accompanied by uh, big black go uh, goats and big black dogs. So this idea of, of lots, lots of kind of huntsmen and lots of black dogs, there's quite, quite a long history of accounts of that in the folklore, at least. So how far can you go back uh, and find uh, reference to the demon hounds, black dogs, black shucks? Um, well, I'm no historian, but the earliest one that, that I found uh, in terms of English accounts was the one I just described, which I think was 1107. It may go back earlier than that, but um, that's the earliest one that I've, I've come across myself. Okay. I believe even, no, I wish Richard was here, because I believe that even uh, during the filming of Most Haunted, they also dealt with uh, one place I might have been on the Isle of Man, uh, that was also uh, haunted by uh, the dog as well. Um, yeah, there's, I think that's probably uh, Peel Castle. Um, the story goes there, I think, that there was a black dog that used to haunt the castle, and I think the castle guards were very wary of this dog and sort of didn't take too much notice of it. And I think one night... Um, one of the soldiers was a bit foolhardy and went off in search of it, and I think either died or was, was never seen again. So, yeah, I believe um, there's a black dog associated with Peel Castle, but there, there, I don't know that there have been any recent uh, sightings of that. But it's quite a well-known story on the island. Right. Now, the one thing I, I do have to ask, too, now, in your research, do you find that the black dogs and the hellhounds uh, seem to be uh, Senate in the UK, or other other incidents throughout the world. Well, certainly tr 
traditionally, and certainly a lot of the folklore, it's often associated with Great Britain, particularly England. However, um, in terms of my own case collection, I've probably got about 50 to 60 cases. More than half of them are from the USA. Um, next uh, highest proportion is, is from the UK, and I've got some from elsewhere in Europe and also one case from Australia. And I also know um, there's qu quite a lot of uh, black dogs reported in Latin America. So it's not just a UK phenomenon. It's, it's much wider than that. One of the things I'm trying to do at the moment is to look for cases further afield and see how widespread it actually is. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the, the only thing that, that... So, I mean, we, you have lots of eyewitness accounts. I mean, you, like, for instance, in the two cases with the, the church, you have many people that, that saw these dogs. And, and there are individual uh, accounts like your own. But yep. is there any scientific or uh, photographic evidence to substantiate any of this? I'm not aware of any photographic uh, evidence of black dogs. Um, it's usually just um, people's reports. One of the interesting things or one of the frustrating things from a scientific point of view is it's incredibly rare for them to leave any physical trace whatsoever. So they don't tend to leave uh, footprints. Although, um, as you said earlier, the black dog of Blytheborough apparently left some scorch marks on the door. The door does have some marks on it, but it's also well known at the time that it was struck by lightning. So it's very rare for black dogs to leave any physical presence. And some people argue, therefore, that they're non-physical. And if they're non-physical in nature, I guess you wouldn't expect them to appear on a photograph or film because they, they tend to, to take um, pictures or images of physical objects. Right, but, I mean, you, it's, for instance, so what would be the difference than trying to sh film a black dog, or, for instance, versus a ghost? I mean, it, you're really dealing with the same paranormal activity. That's, that's true, um, although I think ghosts don't often tend to appear on film, or if they do... Um, or, you know, usually when they appear, people are looking in the wrong in the wrong direction. One of the difficulties with black dogs is people are not expecting it, and they don't tend to be in a place that's known to be haunted. So they wouldn't usually um, tend to have a camera with them. Although nowadays with mobile phones, many more people do have cameras on them. So we might expect uh, in the future uh, a greater likelihood of people actually capturing it on film. Certainly, it'd be really interesting if anyone did capture it, but I'm not aware of any. Okay. Do you know of any uh, considered effort to capture or find scientific evidence of the black dog? Um, unfortunately, there's very little research that's going on into black dogs in particular. Um, there's a number of folklorists who've been interested, but they're just literally interested in the stories and how they've sort of changed over time. I don't know of anyone else in the UK that's, that's actually sort of actively seeking cases of black dogs um, and, and trying to sort of analyse them. So in terms of the available evidence, there, there aren't many people uh, even looking for it and even fewer trying to analyse it, unfortunately. Um, that's one of the reasons why I created my website, really, was to try and promote this more widely so that more people in parapsychology know about it 
and hopefully then more people will come forward and share cases and evidence. We can learn a bit more about what, what the nature of these things might be. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, important. And in fact, I, I got to want to make see if I can get your site linked to mine because uh, you know I, I certainly, like I said, I am fascinated. In fact, uh, Richard and uh, Karen have been trying to get me over to the UK, and, and one of the things I do want to do is uh, do want to do okay uh, is is investigate the uh, the hellhounds of the other black things and the moors as well because there, there seems to be a lot of tales associated with the the hounds and the moors. There, there are there are some cases the hounds of of the moors, and uh, certainly I think you mentioned the hounds of the Baskerville story earlier on. Um, obviously, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was a well-known kind of spiritualist, and I believe he visited Cromer uh, in Norfolk in England on on a kind of golfing holiday, and he heard the legends, and that's apparently where he got the idea from. Many of the cases of black dogs uh, occur outdoors. Not always, um, but they're often in the countryside. And so it's not surprising that um, there are associations with these black dogs roaming over the moors and so on. Particularly, um, I think, down in kind of Devon and Exeter, where, where there's quite a bit of moorland. Okay. So um, what is your background to, you know, are you, is it, do you have a, any type of scientific background or, or uh, parapsychology background uh, in in your own life? Um, yeah, sure. Um, uh, my background's in psychology, so I have a, a degree in psychology. Um, I did my PhD at the Kersler Parapsychology Unit in Edinburgh, and um, some years ago in 1994, uh, I did the summer study program in parapsychology at the Ryan Center uh, in North Carolina. Right, right, so, right. So my background's kind of psychology, and I, I specialize in uh, parapsychology is my area of expertise. Right. I mean, that's what Karen went to the Ryan Center, I believe. He studied there as well. Sorry, that's, that's where... Karen O'Keefe? Oh, Kieran, yes. Um, yes, I know Kieran. Yeah, oh, he, yeah. Uh, yeah. He actually studied at uh, University of Hertfordshire with Richard Wiseman, but I believe um, he's had some involvement with the summer study program. Right. Yeah, he was over here a little while ago, and we were talking uh, a little bit about... His background. I mean, the, there is not enough parapsychologists in the world, unfortunately, and uh, it, that field seems to be dying. Believe it or not, with all the interest in the paranormal and everything, so I, I find that uh, very disheartening. Yeah, there, there is a very small number of parapsychologists. I mean, somebody just uh, once likened it and said, "Number of parapsychologists active in the world is probably equal to the number of mainstream psychologists just working in one big university." So there's, there's very few of us compared to, let's say, mainstream psychology or other sciences. And so I think progress is very slow and funding's very limited in terms of getting money to actually do research. Right. That's, that's the, you know, everything's driven by money. It's unfortunate, but uh, that, that's a, a major problem. And, and, and in fact, and in, in of all the parapsychologists, uh, most of them deal with, uh, you know, PK or ESP. There's very, very even few that deal with uh, ghosts or hellhounds, in your case, or black dogs. So, I mean, uh, in fact, you're the only one I really know that, that is even looking at uh, black dogs. That's true. I would say certainly uh, in terms of university parapsychology, as you say, the majority of it nowadays uh, is kind of experimental 
and is mostly about ESP and PK. There is some interest in kind of survival research, um, but there aren't many sort of, there's not a great deal of university parapsychology research uh, looking at hauntings and so on. But obviously, um, investigating hauntings is very popular generally amongst the kind of general public nowadays. Right. I know we're having a little bit of problem trying to get on the uh, Pararex server, so I'm sorry about that. A little bit uh, distracted between that and Richard not being here, so I I do apologize for that, Simon. But um, the other other thing I I did want to mention is even amongst the community of parapsychologists, for instance, uh, you know, I, I know that Karen and is looked down upon uh, almost in, in, by some of them that believe that he's on the fringe, and so that would I would assume be the same with you. I think it, it depends. In terms of universities, some some departments are much more conservative than others. Uh, I mean, I'm based at the University of Northampton in England, and we've got two or three colleagues of mine. Um, who all did their PhDs in Edinburgh and all specialise uh, in parapsychology. In fact, um, my office mate, Dr Chris Rowe, uh, is editor of the Journal of the Society for Psychical Research. Um, one of my other colleagues, Professor Delanoy, is currently the president of the Society for Psychical Research. So certainly where I work is very supportive of, of parapsychology. And certainly in terms of PhD students who've done research in parapsychology and related areas, there's a growing number of those who've gone on to get lecturing jobs at various universities in the UK and are teaching and, and, and uh, supervising students working in parapsychology. So I think there's, there's, a, there's a gradual growing acceptance within some universities, which is a positive thing, but we've still got some way to go, I think. Okay, so... Where do you see yourself in the future, I mean, dealing with this, this subject? I mean, uh, as you mentioned, funding is, is uh, difficult or non-existent in, in some cases. I mean, how, uh, how do you plan on being able to continue with your research into uh, black hounds and uh, hellhounds and so forth? Sure. Black checks. Well, I do a lot of it um, kind of in my spare time. Obviously, a, a lot of my... Um, main kind of day-to-day work is is kind of teaching but i've had limited bits of funding to support my work what i'm trying to do at the moment because we have so few sort of first-hand accounts and recent accounts of of black dogs i'm trying to get a large collection together and in addition to just looking at the characteristics of the apparitions themselves I think it's important both for general apparition and haunting research, but also the black dogs, to look at the people who report these experiences, but also to look at the circumstances in in terms of what they were doing at the time, you know, what were the environmental conditions, because I think there might be any number of explanations for them, but if we just look at the apparition and don't look at the people or the circumstances, we might miss out some vital clues as to what's causing it, or at least we might be able to identify normal explanations for some, and that allow us to rule them out. So I see it as a kind of early first stage is to get a sufficient number of cases together so we can understand the nature of the thing that we're trying to explain. If we've only got a handful of cases, and if some of these are from hundreds of years ago, it's very difficult um, to analyse what might have caused them. 
So that's, that's really where I, what I'm working on at the moment. And I would like to try and find out what kind of situations they happen in to what kind of people. And then maybe if we can find locations where there are regular reports of these things, we can do, as, as you were kind of indicating earlier on, and perhaps try and set up some equipment so we can capture them on film or we can get some measurements of what was going on at the time people have these encounters. So that's, that's what I'm kind of working towards at the moment. But it's, it's very difficult. Um, I almost feel as if I'm kind of doing it single-handedly, really. As I mentioned, you're the only one that, that I know it, that is doing it. So you are, as far as I know, doing it single-handedly, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, certainly there are other people who, who have an interest, I think, in the area. And I, a few days ago, um, I gave a presentation about black dogs at, at a conference, and it was very well received. And a lot of people were sort of asking me and saying, well, actually, I hadn't really heard of this. And um, one gentleman came up to me afterwards and said, actually, I haven't seen this myself, um, but a couple of my family members have seen it at various times. So he's going to get in contact with them and ask them to uh, relate their accounts to me. So um, I got a good reaction to it. And certainly these, these kind of things in terms of promoting it, it generates responses from people. People come up with new and recent cases. So even though I'm doing it, doing it single-handedly, actually, by, by promoting it, I'm able to be quite successful in gathering cases in what is a relatively unusual phenomenon. Most apparitions tend to be of humans. So in terms of collecting cases, um, most not that many ghosts that people encounter are actually of black dogs. Right. And, and I mean, that's, I'd love to see, I would love to see an expedition to, you know, uh, even if it was a TV show, I mean, I know that they're not very credible, but at least they may shed some light or at least show more interest in it and uh, bring the research into black uh you know, dogs into the forefront, but uh, you've got to, it seems to be UK-based. It seems to be a lot of cases, what I can see through the centuries. Uh, So uh, really, it would be, I know it seems a little bit more difficult in in capturing than a spirit or a ghost, but I think it, it definitely could be done. Yeah, I think it definitely could be done. I mean, one of the other things that interests me about the black dogs is I think it's an interesting kind of unique challenge to some of the general theories that we've got for apparitions. I mean, surveys that I've seen on apparitions and hauntings in general suggest that about 80% of apparitions are humans. And obviously there are various explanations that apparitions are of uh, a known spirit. But if you, for example, apply that as a possible explanation to black dogs, the black dogs mostly don't resemble any living type of dog that we know about. And therefore, if the argument for apparitions is that it's a spirit, then why doesn't the, the appearance of the black dog look like a living animal that we're familiar with? So I think any decent, useful theory of apparitions really has to explain all types. In other words, humans, animals, and also inanimate things, you know, ghost cars, ghost ships, and ghost planes. So right. I think the, the black dog is, is an interesting challenge, really, to, to existing theories that we have. 
All right, Simon, we are going to have to take a break right now. Um, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Ron Kohick and Rich Field, who is out there somewhere. I have no clue. Uh, maybe he fell asleep or something. But we'll be right back after the following messages on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to the Parrax family. Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Poirier and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests to step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com. Happy Halloween! <laughs> back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Ron Kolick and Richard Felix. Uh, except Richard's not here, of course. Anyways, our very special guest is Simon Sherwood, and he is a, uh, the only expert that I know on demon dogs, black hounds, hellhounds, black shucks, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Simon, let me ask you, by the way, if anybody has a question, they can certainly join us in the Pararex or the Tojinet chat room and, and Forward it, or they can call us at 877-864-4869. It's 877-864-4869. So, um, Simon, one thing I did want to ask you about is, now I, I've heard a couple of uh, different uh, tales where I, I know, I think you mentioned that the, the hellhound you saw had like yellow eyes or something, but I, I've heard everything from red eyes to, to green eyes to uh, burning eyes. Uh, is, is, there, is that what you find too? Yeah, it is. Um, mostly, I think red and yellow seem to be the most common. Uh, also, I've heard reports of black eyes and green eyes. What's interesting is two things, really. One is people often report that the eyes were kind of shimmering or glowing in some manner. And the other aspect is that the eyes were very large. Sometimes people describe them as being as large as balls or as large as saucers or as large as sort of burning coals. So they're often much bigger than you would expect in terms of normal eyes. Uh, you know, and do we really know what uh, hellhounds are? are? Are they apparitions? Are they, are they their own entity in themselves? Uh, for instance, uh, you know, like a demon or an angel or, or uh, any of those odd things, uh, 
That's what I'm, I'm trying to. Do, do are they ghosts or are they something else? Um, well, I would say I tend to see them as as ghosts because they don't appear like normal living animals in a sen- in the sense that they often appear out of nowhere and in particular they can vanish into thin air or they can gradually fade into thin air or they can kind of walk or run through walls. Um, so they have some of the characteristics that uh, human apparitions have. Also, they can have some strange behaviour. So, for example, some cases of black dogs change in size. People say they start off about the size of a normal dog, but grow bigger and bigger until they're sort of 10, 20 feet high, and then they disappear. There are other cases where um, the dog can change shape. There was one case reported around 1905 where a black dog was seen emerging from the hedge and it suddenly changed into a donkey that walked on its hind legs and then disappeared. Um, Another case I know about, a black dog uh, changed into a man and walked away. So they, they have lots of characteristics that are very much different to a normal living dog. However, certainly it's true to say that there's a long tradition of black dogs and obviously part of the reason they're called hellhounds is an association that these are associated with uh, demons or the devil or witchcraft in, in some sense. Right. And I, I mean, I, fi- I find it funny because, for instance, uh, well, not funny, laughable, but funny, peculiar, uh, that uh, you don't see like demon cats. You don't hear at least not as many tales about demon cats or any other uh, type of animals. It seems like the dogs are in the, the forefront of uh, the animal kingdom of the haunted. Yeah, that's true. I, I think there's been very little research on animal apparitions generally. Um, the research that has been done, apart from the black dogs, there are, for example, cases of um, ghost pets, if you like. These, right. t- these tend to be pets, pet cats, pet dogs um however interestingly i was reading a ghost book a couple of years ago and in the village where i live someone actually reported a case of a ghostly hamster so there are um kind of <laughs> <laughs> i haven't That's seen funny. it yet have to say um, maybe because it's quite small but yeah there is there are certainly cases of domestic pets but in those cases it's usually shortly after the pet has died and usually uh, the apparition looks like the pet that has died, and therefore the person's able to kind of recognize it as right. being a deceased pet. The thing about the black dog is, although it vaguely looks like a dog, it, it, it almost never looks like, like a normal living dog that we know about. And as I, as I said before, the, the, it's the way that it looks and the way that it's, it behaves are not like any normal living dog that we know about. Right. I, I just want to add this. In, in my new book that's out called Ghost of Day, uh, we actually have one uh, entry about a ghost chicken. So I'll throw that there for whatever that's worth. But just this past weekend, I was investigating a haunted lighthouse on a deserted island uh, with the, my team. And it was Saturday morning, and I was just sitting down having coffee in the kitchen with uh, one of the historians that were there. And I looked, and a, a dog went across 
the kitchen floor, but it made no sound whatsoever, and I went and checked, and there was nothing there. And I described the dog to the historian, and it was a dog that it sound well, let's put it this way, it fit the description of a dog that had been uh, on the island years and years ago and never wanted to leave the island. So, I mean, and we've also had cases where we've had EVPs of dog barking, but, uh, you know, these, I think, are what you talked about before, they're, they're more pets, the ghosts of pets. I, I, it yeah. seems to me that these hellhounds are, are more than that. Uh, uh, they seem to be, I don't know if they're going to say elementals, if you believe in elementals, but, but they seem to be something greater than just spirits. They do seem to be very different, and that's why I guess I've, I've, I've focused on them. I know some of the literature on, on, on animals in general, but because they seem to be, as you say, a different category, really. Um, they tend to be identifiable as known pets that are not, no longer kind of living. And I think people who report those, um, it's more of a positive encounter for them, and they're not um, that affected by them, whereas many of the black dog experiences are quite frightening and quite negative for those right. kids and can have a much bigger impact on them. Often people describe the black dog as being... Um, quite menacing or it had a sense of purpose or it had evil intentions that's not always true there are cases where the black dog is very protective and there are cases where it has followed someone home late at night usually a person uh, on their own and the person feels that it was protective the dog kind of walked alongside them and as soon as they got home completely vanished so it I wouldn't like to say that all hellhounds are kind of negative. There are some sort of positive encounters. And it's also interesting, uh, certainly in England, depending upon which part of the country you look at, some parts of the country it's seen as being very negative and evil, but other parts of the country, such as Lincolnshire, it's seen as being a very protective, positive thing if you have an encounter with one. Right. The... Um the other thing is actually kind of a question from the Parex chat room in that they were asking about if the same person sees the same hounds over. And I kind of want to go a little bit farther than that. For instance, is there sightings of hellhounds in a particular family, not, or is it just odd instances? For instance, is a, is a person become haunted by hellhounds, or does a family become haunted by hellhounds? Uh, or sure, a village? An interesting question. Um, I would say in my own case collection, most of the accounts are from people who've only had it on one occasion. There are some people that say they've seen it two or three times. Um, I'm thinking of one case where it turned out that the gentleman that saw it, uh, at the time their father was very ill in hospital, and when they got home from visiting him visiting him in the hospital each night, they saw the black dog on their porch as they arrived home. And then I think on uh, the last night when they didn't see it anymore, that coincided with the time that their father sadly passed away. I have come across one or two cases where a number of people within the same family have reported seeing the black dog independently. In those cases... It tended to, again, coincide with the death of a family member. And it was only afterwards that the, the family members were talking and they realised that both of them had seen uh, a black dog 
around the same time as the death of, of the particular family member. But I've only literally got one or two cases um, of, of multiple reports within the same family. But certainly, I think those cases are particularly interesting as to finding out why is it that several people in the same family have it independently. Right. So as a psychiatrist, or a psychological training you have, is there a state of mind, uh, are people in a certain state of mind when black dogs appear, for instance, are they in grief? Uh, you know how so a lot of people associate uh, poltergeist activity to a, an angry young uh, adolescent. Uh, I wonder if black dog sightings are associated with uh, some type of a state of mind of a uh, person, for instance, grief or something. Um, certainly there, there are some cases where um, a family member is known to be ill at the time and, and um, usually... Um, in those cases, they sadly kind of pass away shortly after that. However, um, there are so many different circumstances that people see these things. So, for example, sometimes people might be in their bed at night time. They might wake up and see a black dog, which suggests the sleep-related state might be somehow conducive to those kinds of cases. But then at the other extreme, you've got people driving a car or road- riding a motorcycle at night time, and they're obviously uh, hopefully very wide awake and very active at the time, and yet they still have an encounter. There are one or two people who report that they were going through difficult personal circumstances at the time, and in some cases, people didn't really think anything of their encounter at the time, but then they discovered that a family member was ill sometime after that, and they connect the two things together. So at the moment, I don't think we can say, there's one single definite state of mind or one set of circumstances that seem to bring on the experience. But I think what we do need to do, one of the things I'm trying to do, is to try and identify whether particular sets of personal circumstances are associated with particular types of black dog encounter. Then maybe, it may be, for example, that different types of of experiences have different explanations. So we perhaps shouldn't try and lump them all together look for one single explanation. Okay. I just wasn't sure if, it was, if uh, people could do a, you know, uh, draw a conclusion like the poltergeist, which, by the way, I, I don't particularly agree with, but I mean, no, that's a common belief. Uh, the other question we had from the Pararex chat room, and I was actually thinking the same thing myself, so do you think they are uh, kind of like a ban- banshee where they foretell death or, or, or uh, appear after death? Um. In my own case collection, I would say that's um, very much a minority of cases are associated with, with illness or death. So okay. I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't want to give the impression to anyone that if you see a black dog, it means that something bad's going to happen to yourself or someone close to you. That does seem to be a, very much a minority of cases. But I think it's interesting that, uh, I mean, I was surprised having read in the folklore often people see these things as a bad omen and and a connection with death. I was surprised that I would actually get a few cases in my own collection to kind of support that. So one possibility is they may, uh, I mean, one, one possible explanation for uh, some apparitions is that the people are picking up information via ESP and somehow that's, that's translated into seeing a black dog. I also think it's interesting. There's, 
quite a long history of uh, deathbed apparitions where people who are uh, on their deathbed and close to death themselves report seeing an apparition. And they often report that it might be a deceased family member that somehow come to collect them. And I know that in one or two cases where the, the seeing of the black dog has been associated uh, with the death of a family member, very often the witness um, interpret interpret it as the dog has come to collect the deceased person or right. has just um, or has just come to warn them that it's time for someone to leave as it were right i know i just find it fascinating i mean it, it's so difficult because I, although there are a lot of uh uh i was going to say cases but uh a lot of them aren't really documented in, in that they've been passed on from person to person it makes it difficult to do the research. It does, yeah. That's that's why with with my own kind of case collection and the analysis I'm working on at the moment, I'm only analysing first-hand accounts. So I'm only looking at ones where the person who's who's sharing the experience is the person that's had the experience. Because as you say, if if you have an account from someone and they didn't have the experience themselves, you never quite know whether they've got the details correct. And also, it's difficult to follow it up and check various facts. One of the things I always try and do if someone contacts me and sends me an account of their own experience, I try and get a dialogue going with them and ask them questions about it, trying to get more information, trying to clarify some of the things that, that they claim. If you're just reading second or third or fourth-hand accounts from years ago, it's very difficult to know how accurate it is, and it's very difficult to verify um, the aspects of the report. Right. That's. I mean. I mean. Keely, if there were several people uh, that saw a black dog, then you would want to definitely interview them independently and uh, see how these accounts uh, correlated. Yeah. I mean, certainly, the cases where there's more than one witness that sees it at the same time are much more interesting than the cases where there's just a single individual because. You know, a lot of people will say as an explanation, a normal explanation, well, they just hallucinated it. But if two people see the same thing at the same time, it's much more of a stretch to that, to that explanation to explain how two people could simultaneously hallucinate the same thing. So I think they're much more interesting. And as you say, one would want to try and get independent descriptions there of, of what actually occurred. Right. I mean, uh, as I mentioned uh Dr. O'Keefe was over here, and uh, he was talking a little bit about uh, almost mass hysteria, where, and he found that on, on uh, Most Haunted that would happen as well. And uh, In fact, I, I remember one uh, case he told me, I thought it was really funny. He had a, there was a group of them together, and I think it was uh, Yvette said, Oh, did you hear that? And the next door said, Yeah, I heard that. And then the one next one said, I heard that. The other one said, I heard that. And finally, the one on the end of the line says, No, I didn't, but it came from over there. <laughs> Yeah, I think certainly um, suggestion can be can be a powerful kind of mechanism. And one of the questions I always ask um, the people who report their own experiences to me is to find out, did they know anything about black dogs at the time? You know, um, was the place where they were at the time known to be haunted? You know, have they had any other experiences? Those kind of things to see whether any knowledge or expectations might influence or shape the way they report their, their own encounter or the way that they interpret it. 
Right. So I, I think this is all fascinating, and um, the Moors, like I said, that also fascinates me as well up there. And I, I think that probably has goes back to my experience with the uh, Hounds of Baskerville. But uh, the association is not just with the Moors. It happens everywhere throughout the UK, correct? Yeah, it's not... Um a lot of the cases are rural ones, um, often in the countryside, but certainly there are urban cases and there are cases where people have seen the black dog in their garden or they've seen it running through their house. And, you know, they see a black dog running up the stairs and they rush up there to, to see where the dog is and, and remove it, only to find there's no dog there and there's no way that it could have left. There are also other cases where, uh, I guess like my own, where people wake up in the night or they're just laying in bed waiting to go to sleep, and the dog appears in their room. So they're not just an outdoor phenomenon, they're, they're indoor ones also. But the majority do seem to be outside, and often in quite isolated areas, I think that's true to say, in terms of the outdoor cases. And what about graveyards? Is there any association with that at all? Um, Obviously, as we mentioned earlier on, the two famous cases from 1577 uh, in Blytheborough and Bungie involved uh, a church. Mm-hmm. I did have a recent case from, this is about three or four years ago, and um, I was fortunate in that when the person got home, having had their experience, they got on the internet, found my website, and got in contact and described the experience whilst it was very fresh. But this person, uh, it was late at night, about 10 o'clock. They'd gone out. They couldn't get a mobile phone signal at home, so they'd gone for a walk uh, down the road. They happened to be walking past the gates to the cemetery, and they started to get a good signal on their cell phone. So they decided they would walk through the churchyard. They were on the telephone walking along when suddenly they they heard um, a dog running or, or, or running along and panting, and then this big black dog appeared from nowhere, running straight toward them. And just as they were getting really worried that it was going to pounce on them, as it got sort of inches away, it completely vanished into thin air. And um, they looked around, there's nowhere it could have gone. And that was a very sort of frightening experience. So there are still some reported in the cemetery. There was another one I'm familiar with. Um, I can't remember where this was, but this was in um, the USA, and a person had gone for a walk in a cemetery at night time and was sitting on uh, some steps, just uh, enjoying the fresh air. And they saw a large black dog run across about 100 yards in front of them. Strange thing about it was it didn't seem to be making any sound at all. And again, right. it seemed to vanish. So there are one or two cases in cemeteries, but uh, there's by no means uh, um, a big connection there. I think, again, I think... The association between ghosts and, and churchyards is is a bit of a kind of folklore, really. There don't seem to be that many accounts. It's just an association that's built up a connection with death, I think. Right, I agree. I mean, that's... Uh, actually, I, I don't even find cemeteries that much interesting at night other than that they're cemeteries, <laughs> you know. But Absolutely. as far as paranormal yeah. activity, there doesn't seem to be as much as... Uh, and, uh, you know, other places. Uh, someone actually uh, from the uh, Pararex chat room um, was wondering if they, if you thought, or your thoughts on perhaps they were shapeshifters of some sort. Um, I, have, I have heard that as, as a theory. 
um, because there are some cases where um, they shift from being a dog to, um, I think, there's, there's a donkey one I mentioned. Right. There's an, another case where the person said it changed into a crocodile or a lizard. There was another one where it apparently changed into a panda. So, yeah, I have, I have heard that, that kind of theory. Um, I don't know very much about kind of shapeshifters or, or that as an explanation, really. But certainly the fact that some of these apparitions change from one form to the other, that's certainly a, a particularly unusual characteristic that, that's intriguing and is, is more difficult to explain. So I think those cases they might be an entirely separate kind of category of apparition that involves some kind of shape-shifting. But that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the amazing thing about what we do. I and mean, there's so many questions, that's, and there's so many theories, too. And, and, they, and that's what they are, is all theories, because we, we do not have any proof of any of this, really. It is. It's, 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 very, di- it's very difficult um, to explain these, but I think... Once we collect enough cases, and I think sometimes the very unusual cases are, can be the more interesting ones to, to focus on, because if people say a normal explanation, they say, well, you know, it was just a normal living dog or it was a fox or something like that. Clearly, if you, if you have an encounter where it changes shape from a dog to a donkey or into something else, it's very unlikely that there's going to be all of these animals um, loose in the vicinity at the time you're having the experience. So those kind of cases, um, it can be more, more difficult just to say to someone, you mistook that for um, an alien big cat, for example. Right. And I know that, uh, for instance, we can go all the way back to, uh, uh, I don't know if you heard of this, about uh, Saddam Hussein in uh, Iraq. And the black hounds there? I'm not familiar with that, no. No. I'd be interested to know more about that one. Uh, it, it's kind of a, a crazy thing. I mean, uh, people, uh, Sedan was uh, very much uh, involved in the paranormal. He believed that he was uh, the reincarnation of the Babylon king. Oh, my God, I can never even say it. Nekka, Butchka, Niza II, or whatever, whoever he was. <laughs> And but there's even talk that he had made uh, either a pact with aliens or had done genetically uh, engineering himself, where uh, he had engineered uh, demon hounds with the killing's ability of uh, uh, scorpions. In other words, they had hounds, but yet they had the the lethal uh, bite of a scorpion. Oh, okay, no, I I wasn't familiar with that. I mean, certainly, um, I've heard of cases where. People have claimed to be able to create black dogs um, through some kind of uh, ritual. And I've heard some explanations where people say, well, you can create some kind of a thought form and this can exist independently. Interestingly, um, some years ago, I I gave a presentation about black dogs and I was talking about this uh, kind of witchcraft idea. And um, someone in in the group said, well, actually... Um, myself and some of my colleagues, we think we could, we could do this. We could create a black dog. Would you be up for, for the challenge of seeing if we can do it? And I said, well, okay, um, I'm going to be giving a talk in two weeks' time in this particular location. And the agreement was they would all get together and 
uh, try and get this black dog to appear at, uh, let's say it was 8 p.m. in the evening during my talk. Unfortunately, um, they weren't able to do it. The only anomalous thing that did happen was the laptop I was using to give my presentation um, completely uh, went wrong and uh, I couldn't use it for my talk and just had to do it from the top of my head. So <laughs> I don't know whether that was down to the black dog or, or, or them kind of messing with my computer. But unfortunately, no black dogs appeared. But I have come across um, this idea that people say you can create any, you know, various kinds of creatures, if you like, mentally, and apparently they can then exist independently or they can be controlled. But um, I don't know too much more about that. Certainly this attempt didn't work, unfortunately. Uh, let's put it this way. If that was even remotely possible, I believe the CIA or M5 would be uh, uh, all over that, creating uh, assassins that... Uh, I remember, in fact, oh, speaking of that, that, uh, was it Gorbachev, uh, someone tried to, uh, he had a heart attack or something, and they said that, that the, uh, the old KBG was trying to kill him through remote, uh, assassin, otherwise thought assassin. So, uh, thoughts are power, there's no doubt about it, but can they create living Beings, uh, some people believe ghosts are, are the creation of thoughts. We, we really don't know. It's just another theory, once again. Absolutely. There's the only case I've come across, um, and again, I haven't read this in detail, but um, I think there was uh, a researcher some years ago now who was studying with Tibetan monks and had studied for so long that they were apparently were able to create um, this apparitionist thought form of a monk and apparently over time, it became increasingly kind of independent of, of her control. Now, how true or otherwise that is, um, but that's the one case I, I've come across uh, where a person claimed they'd had some success. But it apparently wasn't an easy thing to do and it required hours and hours and months of meditation. So probably not many people would prepare, be prepared to go to those lengths. Yeah, absolutely. Simon, I hate to tell you this, but we are out of time. And, and I really want to appreciate you uh, coming on, especially without Richard here. And uh, I do apologize for my distraction in trying to get this thing all together. But uh, you've been a fascinating guest. I, I love the topic. Uh, I'd like to work uh, on some stuff and get back to you about uh, and have you back on the show again. I think it would be really, really neat to see how you're doing and, and you know, give us an update. Thank you. That'd be great. And I very much appreciate uh, the invitation to come on your show. And if any of, any of your listeners have had an experience of their own and would like to share it with me, uh, then please uh, get in contact and uh, let me know the details. And once again, your website? Uh, www.blackshock.info. If people want to email me, it's simon.sherwood at northampton.ac.uk. Thank you, Simon Sherwood. Uh, Simon Sherwood. And uh, good night, everyone. And we'll see you on Wednesday night on Tojinet. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-legged beasties, and things that.